The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. The Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 25, of the Church, Paragraph 6. There is no other head of the Church but the Lord Jesus Christ, nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof, but is that Antichrist, that man of sin and son of perdition, that exalteth himself in the Church against Christ, and all that is called God. Hello everyone, and welcome back to This We Confess. I took several months away from the podcast just to rest and to think about other things, but we return today as we finish up chapter 25 of the church. We've reached paragraph 6, which boldly states that there is no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. But before we jump into this wonderful truth, let's remind ourselves of where we have been so far in the 25th chapter of our confession. So far, we have heard that the church is both invisible and also visible. The membership of the invisible church is known only to God and is made up of all of those who have been called by grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. But the church is also a visible body. We live in towns and villages and cities and we see it right across the world where the church of Jesus Christ is a tangible and visible body. Not only that, but we understand that the Church is Catholic. By that we do not mean that we are Roman Catholic. Absolutely not. But when we describe the Church as Catholic, we make it clear that the Church does not belong to a certain nation or a certain people group. The Church is Catholic. That is, it is universal. It exists wherever the Gospel has been preached and men and women have come to believe in Christ. And so we have heard about the invisible and visible Catholic or universal church. And to the church of Jesus Christ, the Lord has given us the means of grace. He has given us the sacraments, the reading and especially the preaching of his word, the prayers of God's people and the discipline of a local fellowship. These things encourage us, equip us and build up the church of Jesus Christ. And sometimes the church in this world is more visible and sometimes she is less visible. There are times that the world seems to pay attention to the church and other times the world could care less about the church. And not only that, but there are some times that the church takes seriously its doctrine and it is more pure in this world. And equally, there are other occasions where the church is less pure. With that said, there is no perfect church here on earth and some have even descended so much that they have become synagogues of Satan. 
And so we have reflected on the teaching of this chapter. And as the chapter comes to a close in this paragraph, there is a statement which should be utterly uncontroversial. The Westminster Divines write that there is no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ. I suspect many of you listening to this, many from a Reformed Protestant background, would be nodding your heads and agreeing with this simple statement. It isn't controversial at all when it comes to the Bible. We read in Ephesians 1 and verse 22 that God put all things under the feet of Christ and gave him as head over all things to the church. And then in Colossians 1 and verse 18, Jesus is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning. He is the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. So when it comes to the scriptures, the statement that Christ is the only head of the church is utterly uncontroversial. However, for the Westminster Divines, and sadly for us today, this statement is still under attack. The divines continue after affirming that only Christ is the head of the church by showing us where the difficulty lies. There is no other head of the church but the Lord Jesus Christ, nor can the Pope of Rome in any sense be head thereof. So the Westminster divines turn their cannons towards the Pope of Rome and they point the finger to him and say he cannot be the head of the church. We certainly agree with that sentiment to this very day. The Pope of Rome, who currently is Pope Francis, is not, despite his best claims, the head of the church. But if we are pointing our cannons to Rome, then we should also point them just across the water to England. For the Queen also has the title, the head of the church. Now we could argue all day about the great differences between the Queen's position and that of the Pope but neither should be called the head of the church of Jesus Christ. Jesus alone is the sole king and head of the church, and neither the Pope in Rome nor the Queen in London can take a serious claim of this title. However, today we focus a little bit more on the Pope in Rome, for indeed he does take the title the head of the church. And the Westminster divines, speaking about him, say that this should not be. And instead of being the head of the church, the Pope is that Antichrist, that man of sin and son of perdition, that exalts himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God. Now there are some in the church today who find this language objectionable. They find it an absolutely disgraceful thing that we would still, as Reformed Christians, point the finger to Rome and call the Pope Antichrist. But before we decide whether he is or he isn't, I think it would be worthwhile to consider what is it that we mean by the phrase Antichrist. Well, simply put, when we speak of the Antichrist, we speak of someone who takes the place of Christ, who is anti the Lord Jesus. He is the sole king and head of the church. And so as Reformed believers, when we speak of the Pope in this way, we mean that he tries to take the place of Christ at the head of the church. But we would be wrong to think that someone taking the place of Christ and therefore being called Antichrist is a new phenomenon. 
This wasn't invented by the Westminster divines, and to this very day, Reformed Christians don't use this term lightly. It is a biblical term, and we meet this concept in the pages of God's Word. For example, when it comes to 1 John chapter 2 and verse 18, John makes it clear that even in his day, in those early days after the ascension, as the church leaves the borders of ethnic Israel, John is able to say, Children, it is the last hour, and as you have heard that Antichrist is coming, so now many Antichrists have come. Therefore we know that it is the last hour. So John is absolutely correct. Even when he walked the earth, there were already many antichrists in the church causing trouble. There were many who had tried and failed to take the place of Jesus Christ. We see antichrists throughout the pages of the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments. And it is also true to say that we have seen antichrists in the period since the canon of scripture was closed. In more recent days, we have seen antichrists who have risen to the top of mighty nations, men who have tried to take the position of Christ and have demanded that all the worship and glory and honour from their peoples goes to them instead of Jesus. Antichrists are known by their works. John tells us again in 1 John chapter 2, Who is the liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the Antichrist, he who denies the Father and the Son. No one who denies the Son has the Father, verse 23, and whoever confesses the Son has the Father also. So, in John's day, many Antichrists have already come, and in all the days since, many Antichrists have continued to arrive, and really until the end of the age, we can expect this to be the case. However, we must make a distinction between antichrists and the antichrist. Paul writes this in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verses 3 to 4. Let no one deceive you in any way, for that day, meaning the end of days, will not come unless the rebellion comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself against every so-called God or object of worship, so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, proclaiming himself to be God. And then in 2 Thessalonians 2 and verses 8 to 9, Then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan, with all power and false signs and wonders. So in John's day, there were many antichrists. And in our very own day, there are still many antichrists. However, as we look forward to the end of days and the return of Jesus Christ, I believe we can expect the last antichrist, the final one, if you will, the capital T-H-E, Antichrist. Satan is not the Antichrist, but the lawless one, says Paul, is by the activity of Satan. And when the lawless one comes, he will have all power and false signs and wonders. Here is the reality of Scripture. 
And we speak here of eschatology, a study of the final things. And it is my contention that we can expect in the last days the rise of the Antichrist, who makes all the others look a little bit foolish and strives to take a place that is not his, a place over and above and against Jesus. So there have been many Antichrists, and many still to come, culminating in the final Antichrist. So the Westminster Divines knew all of this to be true, and still they pointed to the Pope of Rome and said that the Pope cannot in any sense be head of the Church, but he is that Antichrist. Then directly they quote Second Thessalonians 2 and verses 3 and 4, and they say that the Pope is that man of sin, that son of perdition, and he exalts himself in the church against Christ and all that is called God. At this point, we must ask the question, well, is the Pope the Antichrist, or is he Antichrist, or perhaps as Reformed believers, we have just got him all wrong? My friends, let me say this today. I believe the office of the Pope in Rome is Antichrist. I believe the current Pope and all those who have followed before him have stood against Jesus. Yes, they may say good things from time to time. And yes, the current Pope, Pope Francis, is seen by many in the world as the best of Popes. But there is no doubt about it in my mind when I say that the Pope is Antichrist. The Roman Catholic Church looked back throughout the period of history and they claim that the Apostle Peter was the first Bishop of Rome. And the thinking goes that because Peter was the chief of the Apostles and therefore he was the Bishop in the chief city of the ancient world, therefore the Bishop of Rome has primacy or authority over the whole Church. To this day, the Pope is considered the head of the Vatican State. He is considered Peter's successor. He is still called the Bishop of Rome, and he is still seen as the Vicar of Jesus Christ. He sits in the place of Jesus. He represents Jesus on earth. He is the physical, human presence of Christ. And when he speaks on behalf of the Church, his teaching is infallible. My friends, as I say these things, does any of it sound possible when it comes to the pages of God's Word? When I tell you these things, does any of it sound legitimate when we study the Scriptures? Do the Scriptures encourage us to expect anywhere the Vicar of Christ in the place called Rome? To answer these questions, I would say absolutely not. I do not see anywhere in the scriptures that there is a head of the church other than Jesus. I do not owe allegiance to the queen as the head of the church, and nor do I owe allegiance to the pope in Rome as the head of the church. Only Christ is king, and anyone who strives to take his place, anyone who stands against Jesus or instead of Jesus, is Antichrist. And as we study Roman Catholic teaching on this subject, we are forced to conclude the error of the Church of Rome. In 1439 at the Council of Florence, here is what was said about the Pope. 
we also define that the Holy Apostolic See and the Roman Pontiff holds the primacy over the whole world, that the Roman Pontiff is the successor of Blessed Peter, Prince of the Apostles, that he is the true Vicar of Christ, the head of the whole Church, and the Father and Teacher of all Christians, and that to him was committed in Blessed Peter the full power of tending, ruling, and governing the whole Church, as is contained also in the Acts of Ecumenical Councils and in the Sacred Canons. We see here that the Council of Florence had given the Pope of the day a place that he should never have held. And not only that, as I have mentioned, when the Pope speaks for the Church, when we say that he speaks ex cathedra, well, we have to admit that the Pope is infallible and the things that he teaches cannot be reformed. This isn't just me saying that. The Vatican Council of 1870 says this. Therefore, faithfully adhering to the tradition received from the beginning of the Christian faith, we teach and define as a divinely revealed dogma that when the Roman pontiff speaks ex cathedra, that is, when in the exercise of his office as shepherd and teacher of all Christians, in virtue of his supreme apostolic authority, he defines a doctrine concerning faith or morals to be held by the whole church, he possesses, by the divine assistance promised to him in Blessed Peter, that infallibility which the divine Redeemer willed his church to enjoy in defining doctrine concerning faith or morals. Therefore, such definitions of the Roman Pontiff are of themselves, and not by the consent of the church, irreformable. My brothers and sisters, as you have listened to these words, I trust that you have moved to a place where you realize that the Pope is not the head of the church. He is not the vicar of Christ on this earth, and he is not, biblically, by God, been given the powers that have been claimed for him. Today we do not recognize his authority, regardless of whether he is speaking as plain old Pope Francis, or whether he is speaking ex cathedra, and therefore what he says is correct and cannot be reformed. We reject the authority of the Pope over us as believers. We reject that he has primacy over Christians all throughout the world. You see, the problem with the Pope in Rome comes down to the teaching that he defends and promotes. Roman Catholic teaching still promotes Mary to a position that she did not ask for, she does not want, and is not publicly supported. And when it comes to the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Church of Rome still preaches a gospel where justification is accomplished through the sacraments, where salvation is tied to baptism and to penance. This is a gospel of works. It is not the gospel of grace alone through faith alone in Christ alone. Indeed, Rome has said that anyone who believes in the gospel of justification by faith alone is anathema. My brothers and sisters, today as we come to this final paragraph here about the head of the church, we affirm that Christ is the sole king and head of the church. And we underline once again that the Pope of Rome cannot be that head 
and therefore he is exalted to a place against Christ and is anti-Christ. These words may seem incredibly harsh, but I trust that every single one of them is true. We need no pope, we need no bishop, we need no priest, for Jesus Christ is the sole king and head of the church, and Jesus is enough. As always, here are some questions for you to consider. Question 1. Christ is the only head of the church. Support this statement biblically. Question 2. What do we mean by the phrase Antichrist? Question 3. What is the difference between Antichrists and the Antichrist? And question 4. When the Pope speaks ex cathedra, what is claimed for his teaching? That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. Thank you.